This is episode three of the Cell Strange Podcast, and this is the one with Larry Levine. Larry's an author, he's a speaker, he's a trainer, and he's a coach to high-performance sales professionals. He's also the author of Selling from the Heart, and it's a book that really resonated with me. In this episode, we're going to learn about the lessons that his rocket scientist father gave him, which have really helped him out in sales. Why his mother-in-law is so right about the sales game. And why selling from the heart is a must in today's sales game. If you want more information about the podcast, visit www.salesstrange.co.uk forward slash podcast. Pop onto your favorite podcast platform, give me a review, that would be nice, and enjoy the episode. Larry Levine, hello, my friend. Welcome to the Sales Trades Podcast. How are you? Good. It's so awesome to be here. Thanks, Matt. What's going on? Uh, it's it's a, it's a sunny day in the UK. It must be. I can, I can never I can never translate Celsius to Fahrenheit, but it's um, twenty eight degrees in the UK. So I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. You guys do it in Fahrenheit, so it always blows my mind. Uh, so when isn't it? I think it's I think it's three point something degrees or something like that. So if it's twenty eight, so what is that? It's uh, twenty eight times three. The 70, know, 80, 78, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70, yeah, full full time coaching. So, and it's so interesting, Matt, that you use the term backstory because um, I always say you never know somebody's backstory until you ask, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, sure. because because I, I I think what happens in sales, I'll get to my backstory, but I think what happens in sales so much is we focus on a individual, right? A top performer, however you want to define top performer, and yeah. we try to emulate that person. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But you don't know that. I, and I was told a long time ago, you never know that person's backstory on what got them or her to where they're at. So this is my backstory. I spent 28 and a half years in the office technology channel. So in other words, I sold copiers primarily my whole entire career in the Los Angeles marketplace. Wow. One of the most commoditized, dysfunctional, full of broken dreams, busted promises, you name it, high sales rep turnover. But that was, you know, that's what I signed up for. But I learned something along the way. And what I learned was that the more I asked my customers, the more I asked people for help, the more they were willing to tell me and help me. And what I started to uncover was, you know what, if I flip this whole concept of what a salesperson looks like on its head, could I succeed in a channel that was highly commoditized, high sales turnover, and broken promises and busted dreams. And that's exactly what I did, Matt. This is back in my younger days. I would ask people, what do they like? What do they don't like about salespeople? What's a great experience? If you could craft up the best salesperson that's out there that would call on you, what would that look like? And pretty soon, I started to develop a long list of everything they did like and a short list of everything they liked. I took the long list, flipped it on its head, did the complete opposite. And I wasn't the smartest sales guy out there by no means, 
there were a lot, there were people that would outsell me, out strategize me all day long. But there's one thing that I learned young, young, young into my career that the more I show I cared, the more I show I appreciated them, the more I showed how much that I was there to help them, the more they opened up. And selling from the heart. And needless to say, that's how selling from the heart was born before it was really born in what it is now. Yeah. Is there's something that I took away and I just held myself to a high degree of accountability more so than anybody else. I was harder on myself than any manager ever was because I had some inner drive that I just always wanted to be the best in fear and doubt. That's what motivated me. Were you hugely passionate about just making sure the customer got everything he wanted? Yeah, because, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in this map perceptions reality. Yeah. And, and there's such a negative connotation with sales. And I love sales. It's provided well for me and my family my whole entire career. But I'm also in the back of my head, I'm keenly aware that it's got a bad name. And I wanted to do something about it. And I was bound and determined that I was going to flip the perception of how salespeople were perceived. And I, I can't control everybody else. But what I can control is me and how I market myself and how I walk, talk and act. And I said, you know what, if I walk, talk, breathe and act like a genuine, real, authentic, loving, caring, appreciative salesperson, could that change the outcomes? And you know what? It started to do it, Matt. And, and, and this, is, this was my biggest takeaway is the more comfortable I made somebody feel, the more comfortable in exchange they were sharing uncomfortable things going on in their office. It was as simple as that. I never complicated anything. And, and, I, and I always tell people, I go, sales isn't rocket science. It's really not. And, and I say that literally because my dad was a retired rocket scientist for the U.S. Air Force. <laughs> he complicated everything. That's the, Matt, that's the world he lived in, right? He lived in this brainiac world where it was difficult for him to break things down to its simple format because his brain didn't work like that. And I was the complete opposite. My brain didn't think in that way. But the way my brain started to think was that relationships mattered. The more comfortable I made Matt feel with me right from the get-go, and I invited Matt into conversations, the more likely Matt's going to go, hey, you know what? This Larry guy, he's, you know, he's different. I haven't experienced this before. And I broke down the barrier that exists between, we'll just call it a buyer and me as a sales professional. Yeah. And I started to see a lot of success with it. I think, I think the difference is, Larry, that you can elevate yourself and be able to see that that is the effect that you're having. A lot of salespeople sit in the moment and uh, all they're focused on is not the person that's in front of them. They're focused on their target or what their boss wants them to do or what their main driver is at home. So if their wife needs a new pair of shoes or their kids need to go to school or anything like that, that's their main focus is money. And that's what clouds a lot of this. Your book resonates with me because... I'm very much that type of sales style. I like to get to know my clients. I like to take them out for drinks. I like to understand what their frustrations are, what their pain points are. But when you're able to do that and you're able to elevate yourself and become somebody's friend, become somebody's confidant, you can just break down any barrier. Objections are minimal. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. You you bring up a great point. I started to notice this early on in my career that first impressions matter. And, and I was really, I was, re- I started to become aware of how I was opening up conversations and how I was getting to know people. And then all of a sudden I said, you know what, I really need to focus in. This is me personally and how I work with, within myself. I said, 
Hey, you know, this very first meeting, I got to create a great first impression. I got to create that wow factor because if I don't, it doesn't mean that the game's over. It just means that for me, it becomes a little bit more difficult, but the more comfortable I opened up that very first meeting, that very first conversation, the more natural everything flowed from that. And, and I learned that if I took my sales hat off and I just put another hat on and that hat was, Hey, I'm just, I'm just having a freaking business conversation with another human, right? It changed every, it, it, it literally changed everything. But, you know, I write about, I have a manifesto at the end of selling from the heart. And one of, and one of the lines in, in my manifesto is we must lead with our heart, not our wallet. And what's, what's interesting is in the world that I came out of, most people lead with their wallet and leading with their heart in their opinions, a sign of weakness, right? I can't do that. That's too mushy gushy. Well, guess what? People smell sincerity instantaneously and they smell bull crap just as fast. Yeah. And that, and that's what I learned. And I parlayed that, what I taught myself in my younger days. And I parlayed that into a very successful 28 and a half year career. And the copier channel, my life-changing moment, Matt, was at 50 years old. At 50 years old, I was fired from my first job ever. Wow. I was relieved of my dues. I was the number two sales rep on a corporate major account team in downtown LA. Why? What was going on? Long, it, it, long story, but <laughs> you know, that 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 would take forever and a day on this podcast. But but nevertheless, it took me days to pick myself up off the ground. I've got, I've got salespeople working with me, Larry, now that have been in my industry for 30, 35 years. And I'm looking at it from your perspective and I'm empathizing with you because if I fired one of my guys now who's been with us 30, 35 years, they're very successful. Don't get me wrong. One of the guys who's been with us 35 years is our number one performer. If I fired him tomorrow because he dropped to number two, it would devastate him. He's given his entire life to the company. So I, I can completely empathize with your position. And, and so what happened is I, I had to make a couple decisions and it took me a couple days and I cried a lot along the way. And I talked to my wife and I talked to my very close friend who's my, my podcast partner at Selling from the Heart, Daryl Amy. And they both just said, hey, you know what? You can go back into the office technology channel, be a VP of sales and ride off into the sunset. But I will promise you this in six months, you're going to be bored. Do something else. And it was right then and there that I decided to reinvent myself, reimagine what life could be. And I flipped the script. I went from being a corporate sales executive to coaching and training sales reps. I had no business plan, no nothing. I put 50 pound weights on my ankles and I jumped into the freaking deep end of a swimming. And I figured it and I figured it out. But this, this is this is what I want your listeners to think about as we're sitting in this, this world that we're living in today. There was nobody, and I, when I say this, Matt, there was nobody outside the Los Angeles marketplace that knew me Yeah, in the start of 2016. Wow. And now you're on a podcast in the United Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I said that, and I share this as how do you get noticed in a marketplace when nobody knows you exist? Let's stop and think about that. I don't care what sales role you're in, wherever you're at, you know, think about your marketplace. Think about what's going on today and how are you going to get noticed? How are you going to stay top of mind? How are you going to draw attention? How are you going to stay top of mind to your clients in a marketplace, right? How are you going to stay top of mind to your clients when some of them don't even know you exist? And so what I did is I took the power of me being me. 
I replicated what I did in corporate sales and I engaged, educated, and I excited my audience into conversations. I walked the line. I integrated the power of social into what I was doing. And lo and behold, I selling from the heart was born. I started a podcast and, and the book came out in the fall of 2018. And in my wildest dreams, I had no ideas where this was going to take me. But I want, I want us to think about a couple words, and I'm going to encourage salespeople all over the world to think about these words. And it's how are you going to reinvent yourself? How are you going to reimagine yourself? How are you going to get reacquainted with yourself? And that's what I did. And I doubled down on myself. And it's been a roller coaster. I will tell you this, Matt. It's been a freaking roller coaster. But if there's one thing that I committed to myself and my wife on, I was going to stay true to myself. I was going to bring to the sales profession things that people push off to the side, things like loving, appreciative, respectful, genuine, real, all the words that are not synonymous with salespeople. Unfortunately, I'm going to bring that. I'm bringing this to the forefront and saying, you know what? It's okay, right? Your clients crave sincerity. Your clients crave substance. Your clients crave heart. And I'm bringing this to the forefront. And I'm going to say, you know what, this is how we connect at a human level. And this is how we relate with your clients at a human level. It's taking that sales hat off and learning how to marry a human hat and a sales hat and pushing it together. Where do you think this issue comes from, Larry, that that salespeople are motivated by other reasons other than what you're talking about, which is being genuine, selling from the heart? Where does the other, where do people get on the other track? Because for me, what you're saying is completely natural to me. This is what this is how I sell. This is what I do. But how do other people not fall into the same carriage and get on the same train? So you know, I, I'm going to say something. I'm really going to stick up for salespeople on this one because there's a lot of people out there who will bash salespeople. But I said, hey, you know what? I think we can all agree that um, that's just set business aside. I'm going to tie this all in together, Matt. Yeah, go for it. You ever, have you ever heard that saying that you're a product of the environment you were raised in? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we'd believe that, right? I'm not turning this into a psychology moment, but I think we can all agree that you're a product of the environment that you're raised in. Yeah. I fully believe it because if we peeled back some of the things, right, that have held me back from success in the past, it's been personal things, product of my environment. It's all self-belief. It's all, it's, it's, all it's on, yeah, unconsciously. hundred, hundred percent. So that being said, I'm a firm believer that salespeople are products of their environments. And what I mean by that is if you look at the hierarchy in companies and, to, and again, I'm not here to point fingers anywhere when I say this, Yeah. but you know, when you're, when you're numbers driven, Things start to play out in different manners. And I'm not to say that, hey, numbers are important. They absolutely are. Revenue is massively important. It all counts. But when you make that the main thing, that becomes the main thing. And what, what's interesting, I was in an environment for 20 years, same company for 20 years. I'm a firm believer still to this day. They looked at their employees when they looked them in the eyes, they didn't see a human. They saw a revenue generating opportunity and they would break down what the revenue is per employee. And when you start doing that, your employees sense it. And when you start focusing on the number and the activity and all these things, and you forget about the human element of this and how you connect and how you relate and how you coach and how you build somebody up, 
the main thing becomes the main thing. And, and I say that because that's what people chase. They chase the number, they chase the sale in this month, they chase the sale for the next month and they make it all about them. If they can flip the script and they can make it about the other person, if you ask most people, they know that deep down inside, but what prevents them from doing it? It's all inside. It goes against the grain of what everybody else believes, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I kind of, pardon the expression, I threw the middle finger out at that a long time ago. And, and there's one thing that I learned. This was probably the best takeaway. You know, I, I shared my dad was a rocket scientist. So there's a lot of things that he brought to the table that I liked. There's a lot of things he brought to the table I didn't like. And that's why we're complete polar opposites. I love and respect my dad, but we're complete polar opposites. But there's one thing that he ingrained in me. And he goes, son, school's important. A process is important. And you got to do the same thing all the time if you want to achieve success. I took that to heart. And in my first year in sales, you know, it was, it was just a roller coaster. But what happened is I brought consistency to the forefront. I made non-negotiable agreements with myself. I write about it in Selling from the Heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, you know what? I'm going to create every day I must prospect. Every day I must develop a new relationship. Every day I must show how much I care to my clients. And I held myself to a high degree to standards and I did them every day. In fact, Matt, I still do it to this day. I'll tell you what, one of the subjects in your book which really resonated with me was servant-led sales leadership and, bit, and the story that you tell at the start of that process, which is uh, you've got the top performer who covets his, his existing accounts, but you've got the new young entrepreneurial type salesperson who comes in and just shakes the game up, but he's constantly learning, wants to know, wants to understand. That's the mentality that we should be instilling in the junior salespeople, that in order to progress from point A to point B and be at the top performing level, you need to just constantly be humble and learn and understand where you need to go. You can't just come in. I think the problem with modern society these days is, and this is a wide sweeping generalization, but the youth of today want success instantly. And I think in sales, you need to have that period of experience and that bedding in. Like you just said, the first year that you were in sales, it was a roller coaster for you. And you have to, to understand where you're successful, where you're not successful, what your weak points are, what your strong points are. And when you get to that point, yeah, you, go on, Larry. No, I was just going to say, listen to what you're saying. It, it, can I share a story with you really quick? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Are, you t- are you totally game for this? I'm full of stories. But yeah, I think listening it. to what you just said, just all, all I can think about right now is my mother-in-law. So I'm, I'm going to take you and your listeners back but this will play hand because you just said something that this is going to play out in as far as um, with young and experienced sales reps. I'm even going to put this into tenured sales reps. There's a lot of people that love chasing shiny objects in sales right now, yeah. right? Because they don't want to do the work, but they want to chase the, the light switch, right? Give me, the, give me the answer that's going to help me close the sale, right? Give me the key to success so I don't have to work as hard, right? Things like that. And I think you yeah. understand yeah. what I'm going with this. So, um, in a couple of weeks, I'll be happily married to my wife for 28 years. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And this goes back to when we were dating and we were starting to get serious and my wife's mom knew it. Now, keep in mind, my, my wife's mom, she's from the South in the United States. Yeah. Very, just a down home, good old lady. 
but, you know, probably doesn't have anything above a sixth or seventh grade education, but that's just that point in time when she was raised. I remember this as, as plain as they were sitting at the kitchen table and she knew we were getting serious. And she said, and still to this day, she calls me boy. And I'm not going to do a Southern accent. <laughs> and she goes, boy, if you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. That was Matt almost 30 years ago. Yeah. And then she says, she goes on in the next sentence and she goes, if you're going to do something, this was at the beginning of my sales career, right? If you're going to do something, don't do it half ass. Give it a hundred. It was those two things that I ingrained in my head. Now, fast forward to what you just said. If we can't do the foundational layers and we struggle to do it in sales around prospecting, asking great questions, engaging with authenticity, engaging from the heart, building and growing that relationship with somebody. How are you going to do all the hard things? Yeah, how are you going to close? <laughs> I mean, I'm, and, it's inter, and it's interesting because I, I, share, I share with people all the time, business is personal. I have this philosophy that business is personal. People look at me as going, where the hell are you going with this? Business is personal. I said, hey, listen, right? Do relationships mean something to you? And most people are going to say, absolutely, they do. Now, let's think about this for a second. Would you, the things that you do with your clients, right? How you treat them, how you don't see them that often, right? How you break promises with them. You know where I'm going with this, Matt. So do your listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would you do that in your personal relationships with a significant other, somebody who meant something to you? Hopefully, and more than often not, you're going to say, absolutely not. Then why do you do it with your clients? That's why you're not succeeding. And that's why you're not succeeding, right? Yeah. It, it, it's that. It, it's, I, I always share with people, if you want to connect with your clients, bring compassion and caring to the forefront and watch what starts to happen. But I think what happens is we look for the silver bullet, right? What's that email that's going to work, right? What's that, what's that one line that's going to work? Give me, the, give me this, the success, right? What are you doing? Hey, what works for Matt may not work for Larry, right? That's another thing that I wrote down out of your book, Larry, which is salespeople have hypnotized themselves. Oh my gosh, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's my classic. So I always say, you know, salespeople have hypnotized themselves into believing what they're not doing doesn't work. Yeah, there's so much whining and finger pointing and excuse making in sales that makes me want to puke. I said, you know something? Point the finger back at you. Hold yourself to a high degree of accountability. Bring discipline, determination to the forefront. That's what I'm bringing to the forefront and selling from the heart. 100%. 100%. I agree with you. I've had multiple salespeople in various different teams who have blamed the competition. They've blamed our own pricing structure, our own marketing teams. I've had people saying, why can't you do it? Why can't you do the quote for me? I've had that in the last three or four days. This isn't, I, this isn't my job. You're in sales because you need to sell. This is what you do. This is this is your life. This I always say to people: sales is the only profession where you don't have a clock. There's no timer. You can't clock out. Sales, you're constantly working. When everybody else in the production office here finishes at five, 
Salespeople are still replying to emails. They're still generating quotes. They're still doing stuff. Sales is the only profession where you are in control of your paycheck. Yeah. Ultimately, apart from sports stars. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So that, so that, and, and I, I write about it again and selling from the heart. Think about what you just said, you know, sports stars, you know, how many sports analogies and sales analogies are there, right? We can, we could talk about that for hours upon hours upon hours. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there is a lot of similarities, right. And so forth. But here's where I challenge people to think about for a second. Professional athletes, I'm talking the elites of the elites. The Michael Jordan's little bronze. All of those, right? I mean, you name them. Take the superstars in in all the sports around the whole world. They hold themselves to a high degree of accountability. They practice every day. They're disciplined. They take care of themselves. No excuse mentality. They have a growth mindset, right? Yeah. Yeah. They don't finger point. We can rattle them, but yet salespeople want to be paid like professional athletes, but yet they don't want to do the work. They don't want to practice. They don't want to do all this stuff. Right. And I go, okay, until you can do that, then stop using the sports and sales analogies. Exactly. I know plenty of sports stars who have an incredible amount of talent, but they just didn't put in the work. I could yeah. mail off three or four soccer players in the UK. I'll call it soccer because I know you American. I do. Yeah. <laughs> I follow. <laughs> uh, but there was football players in the UK, which were incredible talents, but they just didn't apply themselves. They gained weight or they, or they just took too much time off or they smoked after matches. All of that leads to poor performance. It's exactly the same in sales, 100%. Yeah, it, it, and uh, it's it's why one of my favorite quotes is, you know, salespeople today are consistently inconsistent with what they do. Oh, I love that. They love riding the freaking roller coaster and complain about it. Yeah. Some people just love living that life, though. The constant you, drama. You're right, right? Yeah. But, I, I mean, th- there's something to be said about consistency. I, re- I remember, um, this probably goes back four or five months ago as we were recording this. I had, I was having dinner with, with a group of people and the person I was sitting next to, you know, we were just chatting at dinner. This person asked me, you know, what's been your key to success when it comes to integrating the power of social, right? How have you done what you've done leveraging social? I said, it's really simple. It's consistency. That's it. I said, yeah. yeah. I, I learned that early on in my days from my dad, Bring consistency to everything that you do. I consistently do this every single day. What makes me different and what I bring through selling from the heart that that a vast majority of the people probably haven't heard before is everything that I say, everything I coach, everything that I do, I walk, talk, live, and breathe. I lead this lifestyle. Authenticity. I do 100%. That's why I say authenticity is a lifestyle. It's not a light switch. And it's why chapter six, and you allude to it, is near and dear to me on that servant-led sales professional. I go, there's a massive difference between to serve and be of service. Yeah. To serve is proactive. You go on the offensive. I'm going to serve Matt up the best version of myself. I'm going to serve Matt up my knowledge, my insight, my network, my relationships. Now, if we flip it over to service, in my opinion, it's just how you view it. Service is a pure reactionary defensive move in sales. Hey, we're here to provide great customer service. Customer has an issue, you react to it, right? But two different words, two different outcomes. 
it's how do you blend to serve and service in one? And I always say this, if you want to learn how to be a servant, go lend a helping hand out in the community. You, and again, I'm being direct with this. Please don't take this the wrong way. You matter, anyone listening to this. If you want to learn how to serve, go out in the community and lead with your heart, lead with your hands, right? Open up and invite people in, help them. You'll become a better leader and you'll know how to take care of your clients. There's so many people that say, hey, I'm a servant-minded person. Okay, well, great. When's the last time you've led with that servant's heart out in the community and given back without asking for anything in return? It's funny you say that, Larry, because I was reading another section of your book again, and you're talking about how do you go out and get leads? How do you go out and start when you've got nothing? And you, you mentioned Chamber of Commerce, and we've got local Chamber of Commerce in the UK. And for the last three or four months, because we've had this situation with uh, the coronavirus, it's been very much Zoom-driven. It's been very much online. And I've shown up everywhere. And I've, I've shown up not with the intention to sell. My intention is to help people get to know me, see what I can do. We've got a huge facility here in, in the UK for where we store our valves. Half of it is empty. So we've offered it to help a local charity so they can use it for food banks. So it's this type of situation which has allowed me to introduce myself into the network in the local area. But I'm not selling. I'm not here to, to sell. I'm here just to help and solve and be empathetic with everybody who's going through the same situation. And that is what builds relationships on a business level. It's not just about being on a personal level. This, this will build business relationships far into the future. And I haven't sold anything to anybody. Yeah, you, you, you know, it's, um, so I'm a, I'm a member of the National Speakers Association here in Los Angeles. And I sit on their board as well. This goes back about three, four months ago. So we're, you know, we're, we're still in the work from home environment. And our meetings were face-to-face, and now they became virtual. So we had a virtual speaker that came on. And one of the things this, this individual said that was just profound in nature, which just expands upon what you just said, Matt, this person said this, and I thought this was just freaking brilliant. This person said, this is the time to help more. This is the time to serve more. And yes, this is the time to sell more, maybe even more vigorously than we did before. But to me, the whole art behind selling is the art of helping. It's the art of serving. Solve, don't sell. Yeah. Teach, don't take, right? Yeah. Yeah. Love that, Larry. We're just coming up to the end of the podcast. And what we do on every podcast is ask the same five questions. And I did send them to you in advance. Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's all good because you're never, it gives me no time to think. So y'all are going to get what you get. Uh, so the first question is, what's the worst job that you could ever do and why? Well, I'm not, I'm not mechanically inclined at all, none whatsoever. So I can never fix cars. I can't hang pictures. I'm just, when it comes to using any tool, I just, my brain doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's, uh, and that's strange coming from a, the son of a rocket scientist. Uh, do you, you, don't, you don't even want to know. Yeah, no <laughs> right? What did you want to do when you grew up? I actually wanted to be a pharmaceutical sales representative and it just didn't, it just didn't work out. Where did that come from? One of my very first jobs in high school was working in a pharmacy. So I would deliver, I would drive around after high school and I'd deliver medication to elderly people that couldn't get out of the house. And then I kind of worked my way up through high school into college. I put my, helped myself, put myself through college working in pharmacies. And I liked the art of building relationships and all that. And I saw pharmaceutical sales reps coming in with nice watches, big fancy suits and things like that. And I go, that's what I want to do. And I went to college, double majored. 
And then I couldn't get a job as a pharmaceutical sales rep because I had no sales experience. That's how I fell into copiers. And then I just stayed in that channel my whole life. Wow. Incredible. So you were, you were selling from the heart. Even then, you wanted to just go out into the community and help. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what's the worst sales mistake you've ever made, Larry? Um, I, I was assuming. I'd say probably assuming that I knew what my customers wanted, taking my customers for granted. Those are, those are probably being the worst, right? Yeah. Who's, who is the leader that you look up to the most? Who's the lead? Oh. <laughs> this is interesting because I've had this. You're the third U.S. guest that I've had on season two, and you every single U.S. guest sighs <laughs> as when I ask this question. But who is the leader that you look up to the most? Uh, well, I'm not going to go down the road that that most people would probably go to and make it political because I'm apolitical. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I'll, I'll give you some of the leaders that I do look up to. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I look up to people like Mark Cuban, right? I look up to entrepreneurs. I look up to guys like Marcus Limonis. Uh, we all know Mark Cuban from the Shark Tank. Marcus Limonis has a show over here in the States on, on a channel called CNBC. It's called The Profit. Okay. I like leaders like that. I like following entrepreneurial leaders. Does Gary Vee come into that concept? Uh, no, I'm a Gary Vee fan. Yeah. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But... Yeah, I love what he stands for, but but when, when I look at when I look at a leader, I, I look at people that I can resonate to is going to get me to think differently and things like that. And I like business sales aspect that these people bring into the to the fold. Yeah, yeah. What's the last book that you read, Larry? Uh, actually, sitting right behind me, Smart Calling, or that one that's on your desk. So this one's my podcast partner's Revenue Growth Engine. This is the last book that I've read. It's uh, my podcast partner's Daryl Amy. It's a sales and marketing alignment book. It's an amazing book on how to grow revenue. Wow. Would you recommend it? I wouldn't have said it if I didn't. <laughs> and, pl- and, plus, and plus, when my podcast partner Daryl listens to it, I'm giving him a special shout out. It's a really great book. It's actually, I do this for a reason, is the books behind me are the books that I just finished reading. And yeah. then I rotate the books out. Yeah, yeah. Where can people find more information about you, Larry? Uh, you can find anything you want to find out at sellingfromtheheart.net. You can check out the Selling From The Heart podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can find me all over LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's how we connected was through Instagram. Yes, it is. What's, yeah, your, what's your go-to social network just while we're on that subject? LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, li- you know, LinkedIn, I keep 100% professional. Yeah. Um, Instagram is brings a little bit of my personality out and same with Facebook. Yep. Twitter is for me, it's rapid fire news. I just yep. throw things, articles there. It goes out there really quick. Yeah. The problem with Twitter I find is that by the time you've sent it out two or three hours later, it's irrelevant. It's gone. No one's seeing it. It's not, there's no, yeah, yeah, but, but you know, you know, what's, what's interesting about Twitter is I have some people respond to me on a tweet faster than anything else. Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's just rapid. It's just rapid fire, short communication. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah. But it's how I view it. Thanks, Larry. Dude, it's my pleasure. This was totally awesome. I had a fantastic time. Thank you very much for your time. All right, my pleasure.